Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective. And our objective today is to discuss term limits, yay or nay. Today is Tuesday, of course, and believe it or not, I was looking at the calendar and we are just mere weeks away from the election <laughs> to end all elections, possibly. I mean, am I being hyperbolic when I say this might be the last election ever? Am I exaggerating if I say that maybe after this, America itself will cancel election day? Nothing would surprise me at this point, the way the world has gone and is going. But we're here to discuss term limits today, which uh, if they do cancel democracy itself, there's a chance that term limits will sort of be grandfathered in, or should I say term limits will no longer exist. But I'll try to uh, stop with these little tangents of mine and bring on a guy who, let's just say I couldn't do this without him today, because unlike me, this guy, he's been on television they don't let just anyone on Fox Business. They don't let just anyone on Fox News on Saturday mornings with seven other uh, pundits to shout over each other. It takes a certain level of skill. And if we've learned one thing, it's that skill is hard to come by the longer we wait. Please welcome Jonathan Honig. Thank you. Thank you, Ruck. It's great to be with you. And of all the little boxes I've appeared in in my career, this one, the Ayn Rand Center UK's little box, is the most important to me, uh, one of the most important. And it's not just because I'm the biggest in this particular box, but because we're here to focus on ideas. And you know, so much of our audience is located in the UK, but it's truly all around the world. We have some tweeters who I know are following the show uh, from Australia. Uh, they get up at four, uh, this young lady gets up at 4 a.m. to watch our program. So thanks for making a part of your day. Because as you said, I think we have a really, it's a hot topic today and it's about this election, but it's also about what comes after the election, because on both sides of the aisle here in the States, and even around the world, one thing that everyone seems to agree with is that they want term limits. There was a recent uh, survey and, and about 82% of Americans support term limits, con congressional term limits. And even some of the so-called kind of conservative, we don't use a lot of those terms around here, left and right, but so-called conservatives like Heritage, they've endorsed term limits, uh, not just on Congress, but now there's a movement even to have the Supreme Court, which those appointees are usually, you know, lifetime appointment, to have term limits to the Supreme Court. So this has a lot of impact for po politics here at home, but politics around the world. And it's a hot topic, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. Where do you stand? Well, the obvious thing that strikes me, and this is a good exercise for me, I think, uh, in various Areas of philosophy, I've heard it said, like kind of something along the lines of like, kind of like go for what jumps out at you first. Maybe I shouldn't say various areas of philosophy, but I've seen this, uh, yeah, like in art, okay? Like what's the first thing that strikes you about this painting, for instance? See what I'm saying? I've, uh, sure. I've, uh, I've, I've tried to uh, remind myself, go for what's obvious right away. And what's obvious in this issue for me is that people are trying to make personalities the essential of this like if certain people were just at not in office that long they wouldn't be corrupted or they wouldn't have as much incentive to play games with lobbyists because you know they're they they, they wouldn't the, the lobbyists would have nothing to bribe them for they're only there for a few years but guys listen even if we have artificial intelligence as our elected officials we are sending them to D.C. with a certain job or sending them to Sacramento or Lansing or wherever we're sending them to the Capitol. We're sending them to City Hall with a certain job. And that job is either to do favors for this constituency, for this union, for that 
um, you know, welfare recipient group, whatever it is, there are different lobbies, there are different causes, and they want favors, they might call them rights, they might want, they might call them, I have a right to receive welfare, or my union has a right to be a government protected union, or whatever it is, we are sending politicians to go do a certain job that we are telling them to do, we are not sending them to go get rid of um, the lobby system. We're the most, you know, outsider politicians like Donald Trump is sort of like the uh, he's supposed to be like the um, final boss of of anti-establishment guys. Right. He's not a politician and he doesn't need your money because he's already filthy rich. Right. So Donald Trump was supposed to be the answer to the lobby system. Right. Because he's the outsider. He he doesn't care about politicians. He doesn't need them. They don't need him. You know, like. But then what happens? He's just he's promising things to the American worker. He's promising things to the the people who want jobs in America. He's promising things to, I don't know, the nativist faction, maybe people that feel that immigration is antithetic to their values in one way or another. Maybe some of those uh, reasons to be anti-immigration are more valid than others. I'm not I'm not taking a firm stance on immigration at the moment. But my point is Trump ends up representing the interests of certain factions certain constituencies, certain elements of the culture. So unless the purpose, the stated purpose of government is to protect the rights of the individual, then politicians are only going to reflect the lobby system. They're only going to reflect a type of government where some groups are given a voice over others. So whenever I hear a politician saying, oh, I'm enough with these big fat cats, I'm going to speak for you. Okay, I know he's not going to speak for me. <laughs> Believe me. Believe me, he's not going to speak for me. Um, so, okay, so why do I go on that whole tangent? It's to make the point that when they talk about term limits, they're acting like, oh, if, if just these, pol if, if the politicians right. were given a shorter amount of time in office, they won't be able to get as corrupt. They won't be able to get in bed with as many lobbyists. But look, even if they're in office for five minutes, what is it you want them to do while they're there? Chances are you want them to either protect your union or you want them to increase welfare or, you know, even if you feel what you want them to do is sort of pro-capitalism. Let's say you want them to deregulate a certain sector of the economy, a certain type of business, which is, which is good. They should deregulate. But hold on. Are you willing to uh, live with that principle when it means that businesses are outsourcing, when businesses are you know, firing people when businesses want to hire cheap labor from Im immigrants, etc. So unless you're into actual individual rights being protected by the government, I think you're basically part of the problem. And what I mean is, in some way, you're uh, complicit in the lobby system. So to emphasize term limits and the length of terms doesn't really matter much. And I would point you to states like I think California, I think California has term limits. Am I, am I right, Jonathan? You're the expert. I why? Well, thankfully, I don't. Thankfully, I don't live in California. Although I live in Illinois, which I guess is kind of right below California these days in terms of politically and economically. But you know, Rucka, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, everyone now, both sides of the aisle, are agreed. You know, we need a change. We need to do something to get rid of the corruption, uh, to get rid of the deal making, the largesse that you talked about, whether it's for five minutes or five years. That agrees. That's why the left and the right really are, are are for term limits. But you know, when you come right down to it, it's it's a shortcut and it's a shortcut that fails. Just like, a, you know, if you, if you buy followers to try to be popular, that doesn't fail, it's not gonna make you popular. 
a, a fad diet is not going to help you lose weight. You have to actually be that thing. And, and term limits are, they're, I think, kind of a cultural shortcut. And you, you hit the nail on the head as to why. I mean, there's this fantasy that, you know, if you only got new people in there, you know, get the old ones out and get the, get the old shitheads out and get the new shitheads in and things will be, we're going to get the same type of corruption that you talked about with the new politicians. Um, but it kind of goes back to something that I know has been emphasized by Rand and by the Ayn Rand Center UK quite a bit is that politics, although we talk about it a lot and it's kind of, it's like sports for people who hate sports like myself, it's something that everyone has an opinion on. It's as they say, downstream, it is, as, as you alluded to, we get the politicians we deserve. So we have these collectivist politicians who are ready to engage in favors, engage in deal-making, engage in largesse, and even if they're there for a shorter period of time. I mean, Ted Cruz is the one that comes to my mind. Um, you know, Ted Cruz, when I met him, I don't know, a decade ago, he he was way, he was talking about Atlas Shrugged on the floor of the, of the Congress. Do you remember that? Or the Senate? I mean, he was, yeah, yeah. He was saying, oh, and now he's the one saying we need to regulate big tech. So he, you know, he's saying, look, I, I want to be a politician. So what needs to change is the ideas, those fundamental ideas. That's how we get the politicians we deserve. Um, so we're reversing the cause and the effect by pretending that if we just got, quote, better politicians, we'd have a better culture. We need a better culture first, then we get the better politicians. Yeah. And uh, I hate to say this because it makes the battle seem even more sort of hopeless and endless, but we, we're not going to be able to have capitalism and religion, like ultimately one needs to be chosen. And we see that reflected, you know, guys like, you know, conservatives, guys like Ted Cruz and Ben Shapiro and a lot of these sort of Tea Party conservatives. And even before that whole thing, I mean, long before that, you had conservatives that were kind of speaking the language that sounds like they've read Rand. I mean, guys like Ronald Reagan, you, you know, I've heard speeches. He talks about the rights of the individual and conservatives used to speak with reverence to the founding fathers talking about the rights of the individual and and capitalism but that these rights were you know they they strongly emphasize the creator in endowed by our creator and created equal etc um and um i don't think that there those two that that contradiction is ultimately sustainable and we see ultimately today where does ben shapiro really uh die on the hill abortion you know and um, abortion. I mean, and like Ted Cruz, ultimately he sold out property rights. He's willing to compromise with it and then even kind of um, fight for that compromise, AKA fight for that violation of rights, which will only make things much worse. But when it comes to uh, you know abortion, that's where he's happy to, um, to really stand his ground. And look, and if ultimately- we, if we had a term limit on Ted Cruz, what would be the difference? We just get a new, ugly, you know, probably a slightly uglier version of Ted Cruz, a compromiser, a deal maker, a so-called defender of capitalism, anything but. So, I mean, to echo what you started with, this idea of like, look, I mean, it, it, it's ultimately inconsequential. Should we have term limits or not? Unless we can change the ideas, change, that's what the culture has changed, not by changing the politicians, it's not gonna make a lick of difference. Yeah, and given how quickly the culture changes for the worst, um, do we really want to keep throwing the dinosaurs out? Maybe some dinosaurs are good in there. Like, okay, Joe Biden, obviously he's, uh, he's no favorite of mine, but what if he had a term limit that ended in, you know, 1986, <laughs> like who would we have in his place now? More OAC, AOCs, more that like more Elon Omar's, right? right? It, it wouldn't be getting yeah. better over time. And same with the Republicans. If, if let's say, um, 
let's say um, Ted Cruz, you know, let's say his term limit was, you know, two terms and now it was time for him to go. Who would be taking, filling his seat? It would be some kind of Trumpian uh, populist that, that never, never paid lip service to Atlas Shrugged. So uh, I fear that uh, term limits might actually be uh, antithetic. And uh, as I think somebody replied to your tweet on the Twitter website that the kids are using now someone actually said it, it, it only the, the 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 newer politicians are only more radically left and i would say equivalently if that's the word on on the republican side they're going to be more populist more less principled less individualistic uh and less constitutionalist so careful what you wish for folks i think this whole term limit uh so-called solution it very much kind of misses the point of the problem so this is a, a great example of how thinking in essentials is, is what's needed. Yeah, I mean, and if, you know, to your point, Rucka, if, if there was some understanding of the proper role of government, then really the power of that elected official, whether it be your local mayor or the president, is by definition under a proper understanding of government limited. You know, these days, there's this, this obsession with voting. And in fact, here on the Ayn Rand Center UK channel, I believe next Tuesday, we're scheduled to have uh, Dr. Greg Salmieri to talk about voting in the American system because there's an, an obsession. I mean, politicians say, oh, we're a democracy, we're a democracy, it's all about the vote. And once you get into office, there's this idea that you can do whatever you want if you get the votes. But the proper understanding of Americanism, as, as you alluded to, is, is that the role of government is very delimited, it's limited by the Constitution, and there's just not much that they can do. So ultimately, it shouldn't matter who's voted in because government's role is very limited, protect our rights and stay the hell out of our way. Yeah. And uh, the Lord Emperor behind the scenes uh, informs me that Greg is not confirmed for next week. So scheduled you sort of, to appear. Scheduled well, to he's appear. not confirmed, but luckily I think you pronounced his name incorrectly. So, so th that other guy might be confirmed, but not the one you meant to say. Um, now, and the thing is, um, I think here's the problem. Here's what makes things so frustrating. It's that, I think a lot of people, they would hear everything we've said today and say, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. But principles are not written in stone. They're not like, you know, we don't dogmatically just follow these principles. They would say guys like Ted Cruz might answer and say, look, I agree. I'm a capitalist. I have fought for free market solutions to problems. I am blah, 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 blah. But, you know, when a the biggest business in the country like Google is you know, censoring, quote unquote, uh, conservatives, and it's going to mean that Democrats win every election, we need to ask is, is capitalism, does it need to be perfectly um, pure? Or, or, you know, or, or is there some merit to the antitrust uh, policy? So I think I mean, I think most people, most people, they would say the mixed economy is the correct answer. So it was never communism. It was never laissez-faire child labor capitalism. It's the mixed economy. And that's all that's unfortunately kind of it, it's it's not just it's not just uh, that we need to fight for certain principles. We need to get people on board with principles themselves, yes. with the idea yes. of principles, which is a very difficult, yeah. a very difficult battle because that is we're, not we're, the way we've been educated in this country. Rand uh, has told the story and Dr. Peakoff as well. Uh, and I'm going to bludgeon it now, but in effect, you know, a businessman talked to Rand about, I think it was antitrust in the steel industry. And he said, you know, like, oh, I totally agree with you about antitrust. It's terrible in the steel industry. But, you know, plastics, that's a totally different thing. 
Exactly as you said, and there's this inability among most people to think in principle, to understand principle, and to why that ultimately matters much more than necessarily who is who is in office. And you know, uh, someone like Ted Cruz or, or Lindsey Graham is a great example. Most of the politicians, you know, they're they're, they're weather vanes. They're just going to go which way the wind blows. You know, our job is to influence our viewers to be that wind to blow them in the right direction, and to start with the idea of the proper role of government. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, so anyway, I think that's about all the time we have today. I know we started a couple minutes late, but um, uh, yeah. Uh, how's politics going in Chicago? I guess we can have some small talk since we got a couple minutes left. No, well, I mean, uh, I, the resource I would direct people to is, you know, Rand's uh, rights of man and, and the nature of governments. You know, these are sure people who say, oh, I can't read any Ayn Rand, can't get through Atlas Shrugged. This is like 1500 words meticulously chosen and elegantly presented about, you know, she said, you know, the, the nature of government, what a proper government looks like, she spells it all out. And, you know, Rock, um, Rock is someone who, you know, edited Rand's, uh, I believe, perspective on Americanism. That essay, The Nature of Government, is where people should start in terms of learning about what a proper role of government it is. Don't think in that tribal sense of, well, we need to get the Republicans in because the Democrats are collectivists, Republicans. As you said, it's not, there's no advocates for free market individualism anywhere in politics now. We need to create them by influencing them with the right principles to start with Rand's The Nature of Government and, of course, the Ayn Rand Center UK page. Yeah, and we need to get people on board with the idea that principles are not, they're there for when it's inconvenient. It's principles are not to be broken or else all bets are off. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of people, like, like I said, who they would say they agree, they basically agree with what we've said here today, but... In reality, but, we need yeah. to have a we need to have a little bit of compromise with the devil because uh, you know pure capitalism is just not realistic or and it's not pragmatic. So, um, principles. Why would you want such, a little bit of poison? You know, why would you want poison? And if you had an antidote or poison, they say, why? Would I, oh, I just want a little bit of poison. Why have any? Well, poison? you've heard the arguments. They would say beer ha is technically a type of poison, so they would say, yeah, a little bit of poison is is nice on a on a Friday night, Maybe right? This Maybe Miller High Life, but not the beers I drink. See, even you're even you're on board with poison. Not <laughs> me, though. I don't drink alcohol and I don't do drugs. What I do get high on is philosophy. And that brings us to our final closing announcement is that as soon as we're done here, uh, just a, in a couple minutes at half past the hour, there's a new video premiering on the Ayn Rand Center UK YouTube channel. That's right. Their own YouTube channel right here. Uh, what is egoism? And the speaker is Andrew Bernstein. Listen, if you think uh, me and Jonathan are high energy, you got to hear Dr. Bernstein give his opinion. And what how do you call often him Andy you... Dice Bernstein? Andy, Andrew Dice Bernstein, I used to call him. Um, <laughs> but there's a, there's a story behind that. But he, um, he's going to be talking about what is egoism with an animation. Animation. Pixar wishes they could bring you this this type of content. <laughs> Disney wishes they were on our level. Anyway, you got a couple minutes, guys. Run, grab a, a refreshment, and get busy watching. Make sure you are watching uh, what's about to premiere. And thank you, Jonathan. Uh, thank you to myself, and thank all of you for watching. Thank you for waking up at four in the morning from Australia, was it, to watch? And just so you know, you can watch these videos on demand later.